And with that, make sure you have your Bibles in hand as we dive into God's Word together over these next few minutes. It's been just a a little over a year since we launched Impact Christian Church. First Christian Church had been around for 94 years, and we believed that God was laying on our hearts this vision to make a greater impact in our Victor Valley for Jesus Christ. And so we had our official grand opening and launch of Impact Christian Church just a year ago on October 6th. And so one of the things uh, that we've been doing to create a greater impact in our community is through social media, uh, we've been doing a greater reach uh, to our community than ever before. And so just about every day as a church, we post Bible verses on our uh, Facebook page, uh, Impact Christian Church. And uh, just about every week, we will announce to the community that we live in uh, what our message is going to be for the upcoming Sunday. And so we were doing that, as usual, a couple weeks ago, and we announced that the upcoming message was going to be, How Would Jesus Vote? And someone responded to that Facebook ad by saying this. They said, Religion and politics don't mix. Religion and politics don't mix. I'm pretty sure that that's not the first time you've heard someone say that. And when people say that, even when Christians say that, it's understandable. Uh, We don't want to sit in on a sermon every single week uh, where the pastor is going off every week about Donald Trump or going off every week about Joe Biden saying this is the best candidate or this one's the worst candidate. Whatever it is, we don't want to hear it every Sunday, do we? And so we understand that hesitancy to delve into politics as a church. But at the same time, it's, it's so important to understand that when it comes to the church taking a stand for God's word, it's important to understand that the church must speak into politics because politicians deal with issues that Jesus Christ cares about. We started our look last week at what Jesus Christ most cares about that our politicians deal with with their policies on a regular basis. Jesus Christ does care about many of the issues that our government leaders deal with on a daily basis. So these are issues are important to Christ, so they must also be important to Christ's church. They must be important to us. We have to talk about the issues that our politicians deal with because many of them are close to the heart of Christ. Remember what the Greek philosopher Plato said. I shared this quote with you last week. The penalty that good men pay for not being interested in politics is to be governed by men worse than themselves. That's such a great statement. This morning, uh, we're going to be sharing with you part two of this message that I'm calling How Would Jesus Vote? And in case you are wondering, no, there is not a part three. So today is the second and final message in this short little series on how would Jesus vote. We saw last week that if Jesus was a registered voter in the United States, he most likely would not be a registered Republican or a registered Democrat. He'd he'd probably be neither. I'm pretty confident that Jesus would register as an independent if he was a registered voter in America today. Because Jesus is a very independent thinker, isn't he? He has allegiance to only one party. He has allegiance to only one kingdom, and that is the kingdom of heaven. 
He has no allegiance to the Republican Party, the Democratic Party, or the Green Party, or the Peace and Freedom Party, or the Libertarian Party. His only allegiance is to the kingdom of heaven. Now, if Jesus was running for political office in 2020, it would be much easier for you and me to decide who to vote for, right? If Jesus Christ is running against Donald Trump, who are we going to vote for? Well, shoot, let me think about that for a second. That's a no-brainer. Obviously, we're going to vote for Jesus Christ. If Jesus Christ is running against Joe Biden, we don't have to stop and think, hmm, I wonder which of those two I should go with. Obviously, we'd vote for Jesus Christ. But as we saw last week, Jesus isn't running for any political office, at least not this year. And so we have to do the next best thing. We have to ask and answer two very important questions. Number one, we have to determine the heart of Christ on the issues. We need to ask ourselves, what is the heart of Christ on these issues that these politicians that are running for office are going to be voting on and deciding on in the upcoming months and years? And the second thing we have to ask is, uh, how do these political parties and propositions line up with the heart of Christ? We want to know the heart of Christ and we have to choose the political parties and the, the candidates and the propositions that most line up with the heart of Christ. So ask these two questions. What is the heart of Christ? What does he care most about? And which politicians or propositions line up best with the heart of Christ? Well, last week we opened God's Word together and identified seven issues that are close to the heart of Christ. We began with Psalm 89:14, where it says, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of God's throne. So Jesus has a heart for doing what is right and doing what is just. Then we turn to Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. And Jesus says here that he has a heart for the poor and for the sick and for those that are helpless. We saw in Matthew 19.6 that Jesus has a heart for biblical marriage between one man and one woman. And then we turn to Luke 18.15-17 through 17, where we saw that Jesus has a heart for innocent children. And so these seven priorities are seven priorities you and I need to keep in mind. Righteousness, justice, the poor, the sick, the helpless, marriage, and children. Those are seven priorities for Jesus Christ. And if they are a priority for him, they should be a priority for us as we're selecting our leaders to lead us in the United States of America. These should be seven priorities in our government if we truly want God to bless America. Now, last week I shared with you three policy positions in the Republican Party platform that are biblically right. And we looked at three policy positions in the Democratic Party platform that are biblically just. Our primary focus last week was looking at the good. Uh, the good in the Republican platform, the good in the Democratic platform. Uh, now we need to switch gears and look at the bad. Last week we focused on the good. Today we're going to focus on the bad and the ugly. Because you do find some bad and some ugly in both major party Platforms. So we're going to look at two areas, two areas of the Democratic Party platform that are biblically wrong. And I'll do the same for the Republican Party platform. Each of us needs to know where the political party that we're a part of is strong. And we also need to know where it's weak. 
We need to know where our political party lines up with Scripture and where it doesn't. And so over these two weeks, we're looking at both sides. Let's begin with the two policy positions in the Democratic Party platform that are biblically wrong. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah is just a little more than halfway through your Bibles. We're going to be in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. As I was thinking about today's message, I feel like the Lord gave me uh, this Bible verse, which highlights a sin that corrupts the modern-day Democratic Party. I believe a sin in the Democratic Party is revealed in this great verse, Isaiah 5, verse 20, and I want to share that verse with you. We'll look at verse 20, and then we'll also look at the next verse, verse 21. This is how it reads. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own eyes sight. Now God is speaking here in Isaiah chapter 5 to the nation of Israel. He was speaking to his chosen nation. Uh, Israel was God's pride and joy. He handpicked this chosen nation of Israel. He handpicked them to, to bless them and actually through them to bless all nations on earth. But the people of Israel had rebelled against God. We've talked about that in recent weeks. They, they rebelled against God and they perverted what God had created as pure. They worshipped false gods and they called it good. Uh, they engaged in perverted sex and they called it good. Uh, they killed their own children and they called it good. So God says to them here in Isaiah 5, Woe to those who call evil good and call good evil. Who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. When it comes to two of the most important issues of our day. The sanctity of human life. And number two, human sexuality. These verses describe the modern day Democratic Party to a T. The Democratic Party platform calls evil good and good evil. And they put darkness for light and light for darkness. Now this is not a broad sweeping statement about the platform. As I mentioned last week, the Democratic platform of 2020 is over 90 pages long. And there are some really good things in that platform that line up nicely with the Word of God. But at the same time, there are some things in that platform that are clearly an abomination to God. Here are two examples. Policy position number one in the Democratic Party platform that is dead wrong. Promoting abortion. Promoting abortion. Although there are many pro-life Democrats in our nation today, pro-life Democrats are largely silenced by the Democratic Party leaders today. The Democratic Party platform makes it clear that the party wants to expand access to and funding for abortions during all nine months of pregnancy. Here's how it's stated in their party platform. Quote, Democrats are committed to protecting and advancing reproductive health, rights, and justice. We believe unequivocally that every woman should be able to access high-quality reproductive health care services, including safe and legal abortion, end quote. 
In other words, the Democratic Party supports abortion on demand during all nine months of pregnancy. And they love to use the terms reproductive health and reproductive justice. Sounds wonderful, doesn't it? Well, what do those things mean? Well, they mean a whole lot of nothing. Reproductive health, reproductive justice, even though 99% of abortions in the United States have nothing to do with the mother's health. And 100% of abortions in the United States carry out an act of injustice upon the innocent child who has no say-so in the matter. There is nothing healthy or just about ripping the arms and legs off of a preborn baby inside her mother's womb. The Democratic Party platform talks a lot about serving the health needs of low-income minority women. But it's nothing but smoke and mirrors. Really. According to the Center for Disease Control, the CDC, black children are almost four times more likely to be aborted than white children. And in some lower-income black neighborhoods, abortions actually outnumber live births. As Christians, that should break our hearts. We take to the streets and we cry out for justice for George Floyd and for Breonna Taylor. And well, we should. We cry out for justice. But at the same time, you look at the numbers, more African-American lives are lost to abortion every year in the United States than every other single cause of death among blacks combined. Think about that. Of all the causes of deaths of African-Americans in our nation each year, all of those combined equal a total less than the number of black children that are killed inside their mother's wombs. John Piper is a respected pastor and author, and he sums it up really well. Now, this may be hard to hear, but he summarizes it very well. He writes, The net effect of putting abortion clinics in the urban centers is that the abortion of Hispanic and black babies is more than double their percentage of the population. Call this what you will. When the slaughter has an ethnic face and the percentage are double that of the white community and the killers are almost all white, something is going on here that ought to make the lovers of racial equality and racial harmony wake up. End quote. Make no mistake about it. Abortion is pure evil. And the fact that the Democratic Party promotes it as good grieves the heart of Christ. Policy issue number two. Promoting LGBTQ+. There are some wonderful strengths, as I mentioned, in the 2020 Democratic platform, but this is not one of them. Parts of the platform line up nicely with Scripture, ending poverty, racial justice, protecting the environment. But what is also clear in the Democratic Party platform, what's also clear is that the Democratic Party platform is rather obsessed with sex. It's true. The platform is rather obsessed with sex. Can you imagine what John F. Kennedy would say if he were to read today's Democratic Party platform? He would look at his party leaders of today and say, What on earth are you thinking? Have you lost your minds? Throughout the Democratic Party platform, you'll see this term, LGBTQ+. 
LGBTQ+, you find it throughout the platform. It's so important to the Democratic Party, they even place it in the preamble at the very beginning of their party platform. The Bible is very clear in Genesis 1 and 2 that there are two genders. Count them. Two. Male and female. That's it. The Bible is equally clear in Genesis 1 and 2 that marriage is between one man and one woman. And sex is to only take place between a husband and his wife. It's very simple. The Bible makes it simple from the first two chapters of the Bible. But over the past few years, the Democratic Party has been obsessed with normalizing and promoting and celebrating sexual perversion. And there's a reason why the Democratic Party is insistent on placing a plus sign at the end of LGBTQ. Because their view is ever expanding. It's ever growing. From a biblical perspective, the Democratic Party is not content with recognizing and promoting just lesbianism and homosexuality and bisexuality and transgenderism. The Democratic Party, by its own admission, is standing by ready and willing to recognize and promote whatever other sexual perversions and gender identities arise in the days to come. The last time I checked, New York City currently recognizes 31 different gender identities. Now, how many of you think that New York City is going to stop at 31? Nope. It's a 31 plus. They're ready and willing to expand the list to a higher number as soon as other gender identities are proposed by those who, who refuse to obey and follow God's clear guidelines in the first few chapters of Genesis. Well, I look at these stances that the Democratic Party has taken on abortion and also on this issue of, of uh, transgenderism and, and homosexual and bisexual perversion. And that verse sure stands out to me. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Make no mistake about it, the Democratic Party platform normalizes and promotes abortion and sexual perversion, and that grieves the heart of Christ. Now, let's take a look at two policy positions in the Republican Party platform that are biblically wrong. Uh, just as I believe the Lord gave me that verse from Isaiah uh, chapter 5 when it came to uh, the Democratic Party, I believe he gave me a verse this week in regard to the Republican Party. And that verse is James chapter 4, verse 17. James 4, 17. I'd like you to turn there. I want you to see it for yourself. James 4, 17. Just as I believe God gave me that Isaiah verse for the Democratic Party, I believe this summarizes nicely the sin in the Republican Party. James 4, verse 17 says this. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do, and doesn't do it, sins. It's one of those verses that's short but sweet. Anyone who knows the good he ought to do, and doesn't do it, sins. If you read through the Democratic Party platform, as I have, you will see policies advocated that reek of Sodom and Gomorrah. There's no better way I could express it to you. Certain elements in the Democratic Party platform reek of Sodom and Gomorrah. We just looked at two examples of this. Celebrating abortion. Celebrating LGBTQ plus sexual perversion. 
It's right there in black and white in the Democratic Party platform. But if you read through the Republican Party platform as I have, you won't find such clear examples of policies that are Sodom and Gomorrah-esque, that are at the level of Sodom and Gomorrah destruction. And so the tendency is to say, aha, this platform is so much superior to the Democratic platform, but not so fast. Not so fast. You could definitely make the case that Republican policies to block illegal immigrants from receiving welfare and health care lack biblical compassion and grace. Many Christian Democrats make that very point. You can make the case that Republicans don't speak out as strongly as they should against racism or the environment. But interestingly, you, you won't find in the Republican Party platform, I don't think, unless I've missed something, you, you won't find that Sodom and Gomorrah level of sin. But here's what you do find. Once again, James 4.17 says, Anyone who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. I want to suggest to you that the great sin in the Republican Party platform is hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. The party knows the good they ought to do, but so often they don't do it. They know what they should do, but they don't do it. They talk the talk, but so often they don't walk the walk. And it grieves the heart of Christ. Let me give you two examples. Policy position number one. Speaking out against abortion. We all say amen to that, right? Speaking out against abortion, but not being fully pro-life. Not being fully pro-life. Let me explain to you what I mean by that. When I read the section of the Republican Party platform that talks about being pro-life, it's really music to my ears. It's almost as if the Apostle Paul wrote it. You read through the pro-life elements of the Republican Party platform, and it is eloquent, it is bold, it is courageous, and it lines up beautifully with Scripture when it comes to the sanctity of human life. And, and being pro-life, though, is much more than just speaking up against abortion. Being pro-life is much more than holding a picket sign and, and saying that abortion is murder. And this is one of those areas where I believe the Republican Party drops the ball. Being pro-life means reaching out to and mentoring young women before they get pregnant. And compassionately providing them with necessary supplies and health care once they are pregnant. And helping women provide for their children once the child is born. So one of the reasons that we as a church support Rose of Sharon Pregnancy Center. Because they are doing these very things, trying to help educate young ladies so they don't get pregnant in the first place. And if they do get pregnant, helping them through the pregnancy and once the child is born, helping them to either raise that child themselves or move that child into a loving home through adoption. We support these things, but so often the Republican Party drops the ball. It's easy to yell, abortion is murder. That's the easy part. But what we do once a pregnant mom ag agrees with us, well, we should do something more than just tell her abortion is wrong. Are we willing to put our time and money where our mouth is? For the church, the answer is yes, but for the Republican Party, far too often, the answer is no. 
Republicans talk about diverting funding from Planned Parenthood to pro-life pregnancy centers, but more times than not, it's just talk. So often when it comes to being pro-life, the Republican Party talks the talk, but they don't walk the walk. They know the good they ought to do, but so often they don't do it. And according to James 4.17, that is sin. Policy position number two. Speaking up for traditional marriage and two-parent families, but doing very little to support them. Speaking up for marriage and two-parent families, but doing very little to support them. Last week, I read for you this beautiful little excerpt from the Republican Party platform. Quote, Every child deserves a married mom and dad, and our laws and government regulations should actively promote married family life as the basis of a stable and prosperous society. End quote. Isn't that beautiful? We stand up and cheer for that. I don't think Mother Teresa could have said it even better. That was a wonderfully worded statement, biblically sound, defending biblical traditional marriage and defending the right of every child to be raised whenever possible in a home with both a mom and a dad. The Republican Party correctly identifies the breakdown of the American family as the number one cause of poverty and drug abuse and crime and teenage pregnancy. But it's not enough to identify the problem. God raises up leaders not simply to identify the problem, but to enact solutions to fix the problem. And far too often when it comes to traditional marriage and the nuclear family, the Republican Party has not put their time and their money where their mouth is. They talk the talk, but once again, so often they don't walk the walk. They know the good they ought to do, but they don't do it. And so... James 4.17 makes it clear. When we know what we ought to do and we don't do it, that is sin. That's sin. Well, there you have it. Two areas in the Democratic Party platform that are just plain evil. Clearly against God's word. Clearly break the heart of Christ. And two areas within the Republican Party platform, the positions themselves aren't evil, but the way they are carried out could clearly be identified as sin. Well, I want to share with you, once again, three practical applications for this message. I want you to apply this message to your life, and I'm actually going to give you the three same applications I gave you last week. Three practical applications. Number one, our primary job as Christians is to lead people to Christ, not to an elephant or to a donkey. So don't allow your politics to sabotage your witness to unbelievers or your fellowship with believers. So many Christians burn bridges with their non-Christian friends over politics. And if you burn a a bridge over politics with a non-Christian friend, that friend may never be open to hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ shared by you. Oh, so make sure you don't dig in your heels over an elephant or a donkey. Dig in your heels over the cross of Jesus Christ. Number two, our loyalty must be to Christ, not to a political party. So do some research and vote in line with the heart of Christ. And then finally, number three, pray for right and just leaders. Vote for right 
and just leaders and become a right and just leader. Remember our our motto here at Impact Christian Church. You were created for greater impact. It's true. We believe that with all of our hearts. You were created for greater impact. God created you to make a greater difference in the lives of those around you. He created you to be a change agent. Think about that for a moment. God created me to be a change agent. To enact change in the lives of those around me. To to enact change for their good and for the glory of God. That's a wonderful thing to think about. And here's one thing that that means. God is calling you to transform your political party from the inside out. Some of you listening to this broadcast are registered Democrats. That's good by me. But what is God calling you to do as a Christian? He's calling you to transform the Democratic Party from the inside out. There are some clear issues that we've identified today in the Democratic Party, things that are an abomination to God. And so if you are a registered Democrat, I encourage you to get involved and work as hard as it may be to bring change within that party, bring change from the inside out. Take a stand for the unborn child in your party, even though you're outnumbered. Take a stand for traditional marriage and two-parent homes with a mom and dad within your party, even though you're outnumbered. Take a courageous stand for Jesus Christ in your party. Many of you listening to this broadcast are registered Republicans. That's fine by me, too. But you need to create and foster change in your party from the inside out because there are some things that are wrong in the Republican Party. You need to take a stand not just for abor- against abortion. But from the inside out, make sure that the party is doing what it needs to do to help those who agree with them and decide to keep their babies. Make sure you're helping women in crisis pregnancies and urging your party to do the same. Make sure you're taking a stand for marriage and helping to provide families with the tools they need to stay together and married and raising those kids to adulthood. Oh, it's not enough just to preach from the street corner about what is right. We must transform our culture from the inside out. And if you are a part of a political party, you transform it from the inside out. Amen? Some of you watching this broadcast are probably registered independents. That's great, too. And you know what I would love you to do? I would love for you to somehow start a movement that takes the most God-honoring policies of the Democratic Party and fuse those together with the most God-honoring policies of the Republican Party. Can you imagine how awesome this country would be if we took the best of each party and fused them into something that truly does honor God? Oh, we could say with absolute boldness, God bless America, if we knew that our policies were clearly in line with the Word of God and there were none of them that were an abomination to Him and His Word. Oh, whatever party you may be a part of, God has called you to be a change agent and transform it for the glory of God from the inside out. With man, this is impossible. But with God, with God, all things, all things, all things are possible with God. Would you pray with me? Father God, we have a tendency to focus 
on the strengths of those we agree with and on the shortcomings and failures of those we don't agree with. I pray, O God, that we as believers and followers of Jesus Christ would take a long, hard look at ourselves, at the political parties we support, and, Lord, at the strengths in the other party we normally don't support. Father, forgive us for our failures as a nation. Lord, I pray that you would forgive me for not taking more of a stand against abortion in this nation. Forgive me, O God, for not taking more of a stand against the LGBTQ plus propaganda in our nation. Forgive me, O God. Forgive me for not taking a stronger stand for young women, Lord, who choose to keep their babies. And forgive me for not taking a stronger stand, Lord, for traditional marriage and for helping families stay unified and together for the good of themselves and the good of their kids. Forgive me, O God. Forgive us. Forgive your church. Lord, we ask for your mercy and not your judgment. Please, O God, as we have engaged in things that are very Sodom and Gomorrah-like, I pray that you wouldn't bring destruction on us like you did on Sodom and Gomorrah. I pray for your mercy. I pray, O God, that we would stand for what is good and right. Lord, I pray that we would stand for what is just. I pray, O God, that we would not call evil good and good evil. And I pray that those of us who know the good that we ought to do would do it for the good of our nation and its citizens and for the glory of God. Forgive us, O God, for our shortcomings and help us to courageously in faith take a stand for what is good and right and just. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please. Join me tomorrow as we lift up prayers for our nation, as we lift up prayers for our church. We want to be able to, and we want churches across California to be able to, come inside once again and hold services indoors. The numbers are looking really good with COVID, so we want to pray that those numbers continue to move in a positive direction. We want to pray for an end to this pandemic. We want to pray for an end to the social unrest in our nation. We want to pray for this election coming up in just a few weeks. Please. Join me for prayer tomorrow night, 6 o'clock by phone or online, 6.30 live at George Boulevard. If you're here today and you've never made a decision for Jesus Christ, I urge you to make that decision today. Humbly go to God right now and simply say, God, I admit to you that I'm a sinner. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. Please forgive me. And today I choose to follow you. I choose to follow you, Lord Jesus as my Savior, to save me from my sins, and as the Lord, to take the driver's seat of my life. If you've made that decision today to accept Christ, I want to encourage you to get baptized as soon as possible. Jesus said, get baptized if you're serious about following me. And right there at the bottom of your screen, you'll see the names and phone numbers of a couple of our prayer counselors. You can call or text them right now. And they love to share with you. They love to pray with you about accepting Christ today and talking with you about when you can get baptized. Or if you're just going through some stuff and you need prayer, you can reach out to them right now as well. 
One last thing in the service before we go on to our final song. We're going to take communion together. For those of you who are believers and followers of Jesus Christ, we invite you to take of the bread and the juice with us. You don't have to be a member of Impact Christian Church. You just need to be a believer and follower of Christ. Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he said, This represents my body broken for you. For the forgiveness of sins, do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, Jesus took the wine or the juice and he said, This represents my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord Jesus, please forgive us. Wash us clean. Help us to follow you better than ever before. And help us to proclaim your death and resurrection until you come back to take us home to heaven. We thank you for what you did. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for what you will do one day when you'll set up your kingdom here on earth and we'll experience true righteousness and justice in our government 100% for the first time ever thank you for being you for being our Savior and Lord in Jesus name Amen please join us for this final song of praise God bless you church